Hello and welcome to this week's Ruby Shoes podcast, bringing you the very best of local entertainment across East Anglia each week. In this week's episode, we've got a mixed bag of reviews, including the Illegal Eagles, a trip around Orford Ness in Suffolk, and then the West End classic Blood Brothers. Then I take a look at a couple of shows coming up across the region you might like to check out. But first, let's go to those Illegal Eagles. Celebrating over 50 years since the formation of the legendary West Coast country rock band, of course, the Eagles, back in 1971, the Illegal Eagles made a welcome return to the apex in Bury St Edmunds, playing over two sold-out shows of brand new production, showing off their musical prowess, uh, acute attention to detail and incredible showmanship. The band played the very best from the Eagles catalogue, uh, some classics including, of course, Hotel California, even though the crowd were going to take the house down at the end until they played it, Desperado, Take It Easy was fabulous, New Kid in Town, Life in the Fast Lane and just so many more. This was just the opening when the band came on stage and just started to simply sing acoustically. musicianship swapping guitars for piano and then vocals and then back again such a brilliant night from start to finish well done the illegal eagles and well done the apex and berry for inviting them back and i'm sure they're going to be back again this time next year next 
something very different. I've interviewed Glenn Pierce. He's the property manager working for the National Trust, and it's his job to uh, look after Orford Ness, which is known locally in Suffolk as the Island of Secrets, and for very good reason. But I've never actually visited the island before until last week. The whole island is so much larger than you can possibly imagine. When you stand on Orford Quay waiting for the boat, this very small ferry, which literally just takes you across the river from the quay over to the island and then the whole world just opens up for you and here's Glen Pierce now just giving us a snippet of just some of the things we're about to experience. Water does play a big part here. Um, Orford Ness itself 10 miles long, uh, one mile wide at its widest point. 10 miles long, that's shocking I didn't realise. I think people are surprised. Yes. At the, side. the bit we open to visitors, uh, so the bit we'll do today will go a bit extra that the normal visitors don't go to, is about a third in the middle. So yeah, starts just south of Alba at Slaughton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Martello Tower there is our boundary. Uh, to where the lighthouse used to be, that was roughly halfway point, so that's five miles, and then goes five miles all the way down just opposite Shingle Street, mm-hmm. North Weir Point. Ah. That's where we walked to Cathedral. It is. Yeah. So, prison. so has it, so it seems a strange question, given that we're below, below the water level, is that because the water level's risen, or this has sunk, or how, how, how come it's actually? So, we can't quite see it now because that bank's in the way, but if you know Orford, you've got Orford Castle up on the hill. Yeah. So the one question people ask, why is the castle five miles up river? Uh, when that was built in the 12th century, this wasn't here. Um, so Orford was open to the sea, Yeah. Um, fairly major port. Uh, Orford Ness is formed by a process called longshore drift, so roughly coastal erosion. Uh, all that material, the currents, pulls it south, and that's what accumulates here. Uh, so yeah, it's very low level. Um, and it's 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 sandbank really with 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 shingle formed by shingle rather than sand, um, so that's it's a very low laying yeah so water levels have risen right, slightly sandbank. yeah, um, so yeah so when you get that's when we drive a bit further if you look back you'll see Orford Castle but yeah if you imagine when that was built. So will there come a time, do you think, in the future, are you able to predict when this island, Orford Ness, won't be here because it will change again? It's constantly changing. So when I do, when I say it's 10 miles long, it's 10 miles long-ish. Yesterday. Because uh, it, yes. it does that in length and it does it in width. Mm, Coastal yeah, so change changes. here is constantly, you know, the outline is constantly changing. There's lots of modelling going on about what will happen uh, because you've got the river that side and sea that side. Mm. So the river up near Slaughton um, is trying to push out that way, mm-hmm. and the sea pushing in. So the, the strip at Slaughton is getting incredibly thin. There is environment agency and lots of people have done modelling. They think mm. this, the river will eventually push through there. So we call it an island. It's not. It is joined by that very thin strip mm. of land. It could eventually become an island. Um, then the question is, what would happen here? Would yeah. it silt up? Um, if the sea, you know, river's going out that way, there's no tidal water coming this way um, so it could become an island briefly that end but then join to the mainland eventually here I don't think that's going to happen in the lip yeah. in our lifetimes about 100 years I think potentially for oh, the top really? oh, yeah. um, but only 100 years that's not very long but it is constantly changing really? because no. of climate change at the moment yeah. a lot of these models now are back may not suddenly right. speed up yeah. um, so what has happened, the lighthouse was here till 2020. Where was the lighthouse? We'll show you as we go back. Okay. We saw it disappearing day by day. Yeah. So sad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so 
Orf- uh, National Trust owns about 98% of Orford Nest. The Lighthouse is privately owned, as is Cobra Mist, which we'll show you. Um, that's the gentleman who's got his tractors down there. Mm-hmm. And the um, National Trust, I take it, couldn't take on the Lighthouse and put it somewhere else? or We didn't want to. I, I wasn't here at the time, but I think the view was it was always going to end one way. Yeah. There's nothing. Um, they talked about slicing it and sliding it back, which they've done in sort of Denmark and mm-hmm. other places. This is shingle. There's no really anywhere stable. And once they started taking it down, it would have never, it would have crumbled. So yeah. as soon as they started, they took the lantern off. But as soon as they tried to take the tower down, it 270 just... years of brick being exposed to the North Sea, it was held together by render. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I don't think the National Trust ever wanted the lighthouse. Cause I think no. tr- the reason Trinity House sold it because they knew what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the National Trust, you know. 12 years ago now said mm, no they're not interested no, the neighbour bought it um, and part of that it came with Cobra Mist so I think Cobra Mist we would like eventually so, so what's Cobra Mist? Cobra Mist, we'll, we'll show you where it is. Um, it's a o- American over-the-horizon listening station, or it oh, was, okay. during the Cold War. Um, so they, in simple terms, bounce the signal off the atmosphere and they can see trains moving on the ground in Russia. Wow. Uh, <laughs> only operational for three years. Uh, oh, the goodness. American, it was an American um, facility. Um, typical, you know, government not telling people what was going on. The British mm. government paid for it, but only mm. told people about 20 years afterwards that they mm. paid millions, billions for it. Um, it was say, only operational for three years. BBC World Service were there for a while, uh, so the BBC transmitters are still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved out in 2012, so it's been redundant since 2012. It is, it's, it's a three-story empty warehouse, um, but it came with the light, with the lighthouse, and he's kept it. Oh. Um, so. Amazing, mm-hmm. but that's why we're here to find yeah, out all these things, all, all these secrets that are, are, are here on Orphan Nest. But it also it makes me realise why, because some clever dick could think, make use of that one, it'd be brilliant. Shops, art, you know, artisanal thingies, yeah. and that. But it's because it sits on a because it belongs to the National Trust, obviously. Uh, but also it sits on shingles, so it's a waste of would be a waste of money anyway to I think exploit it. There's a couple of reasons why it hasn't been developed. So um, obviously it's been here for centuries and part of it was used, say, there was a small piece, but it's grown in sort of 800 years. But when the castle was built, there was grazing over here. So it was mm. the, um, we've mm. got a part, part of it called King's Marshes because it was mm. the King's grazing marshes. Um, and potentially the history goes back to Vikings, our regional archeologists. Um, if you read, obviously this area is very heavily Viking influenced. Yes. Mm. Um, there are, uh, contemporary tales of Viking period for this, there was a battle of Orford mm. um, and if you read it and how it describes it, it's a little tiny tributary joining a river so we think that battle probably took place on what was Orford Ness at the time, mm. so you know, history goes all the way back yeah. that time, but I think what people know it for is that 80 years of military use, mm. so the military bought it in yeah. 1913 and then there was no access for 80 years, yes. so that stopped that development. Yeah. yeah, if the military hadn't been here, yes, it'd have been yeah. a golf course. It would have been yeah. not, yeah. not ideal because it's marshes it still and shingle. Could be used for grazing, no? Yeah, so we've we've got um, sheep grazing. All oh, right. Okay. Um, we're yeah. doing a grazing review at the moment to see do we you know supplement those with cattle or yeah. even ponies and other stuff. Oh, okay. uh, but yeah, we've got about 150 rare breed sheep. Oh, um, wow. So Andrew, who's just come on, is our shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been at Sutton Hill this morning because of the winds. He's yeah. been cutting down trees that are falling over past oh, and things. Yes, wow. we were at Sutton Hill last weekend, weren't we? Yeah. Um, so yeah, grazing. But yeah, so I think yeah, the reason it's great for nature, the reason it's it is unspoiled in a way, yeah. is because the military were here. So it's that yeah. strange mix yeah. of 
It's almost like testing it's... weapons of mass destruction, mm. but actually it's also protected the nature. Yeah. And my thanks to Glenn Pierce, property manager Orford Ness, for a fantastic afternoon's tour of the island. Now, if you get a chance to do the tour, I can highly recommend it. So just go on the National Trust website and you can find out more about Orford Ness, as I say, known locally as the Island of Secrets and for very good reason. And now for my final review this week, and that's Blood Brothers. So last week, I also managed to shoehorn in seeing Blood Brothers at the Ipswich Regent Theatre, and I'm so glad I did. I've seen it be passed a long time ago, and it was fantastic at the time and so emotional. And I thought, well, I've seen it, so I kind of know the plot. I know what's going to happen, so I won't be quite so absorbed. How wrong was I? Written by Willie Russell, the legendary Blood Brothers, it tells the captivating and moving tale of twins who, separated at birth, grow up on opposite sides of the tracks and only meet again with fateful consequences. She was the original person to sing Tell Me It's Not True in Blood Brothers. Originally, Blood Brothers was a school play, would you believe? Uh, it debuted in Liverpool before Russell, Willie Russell, that is, transferred it to the West End for a short run in 1983. Musical won the Laurence Olivier Award for Best New Musical and went on to a year-long national tour before returning for revival in the West End in 1988, where it stayed at the Albury Theatre for three years, transferring to the Phoenix Theatre in 1991. Now, the revival ran for more than 24 years in the West End and played more than 10,000 performances, becoming the third longest-running musical production in the West End's history, finally closing November 2012, and it was produced with success on tour as well and on Broadway and elsewhere, and as I say, it came to the Ipswich Regent last week, and it's a good favourite of theirs. It was sold out and they had a standing ovation at the end and was very, very well deserved. Now, on the night at the Regent, Mrs Johnston was played by none other than Nikki Colwell Evans, and she's basically in the tour. Her performance literally made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when she sang Tell Me It's Not True. Absolutely fantastic. In fact, all the cast were brilliant, really big, powerful, strong voices. So, so impressed, but Nikki just stood out for me. She first rose to fame, would you believe, in 20, uh, 2007, in fact, and she reached the semi-final of Series 4 of The X Factor UK when she was mentored by Louis Walsh. I didn't know that, and I bet you didn't know either, did you really? 
Now, if you're part of a theatre or group or maybe a band and you'd just like to be featured on Ruby Shoes Podcast, always get in touch with us via our socials. That's Ruby Shoes Podcast. Tell us just a little bit about you and you could be our featured guest on a future episode. Coming up this month, just two final things to tell you about. Kiss of the Spider Woman opens next Tuesday by the Gallery Players. It's going to be at the Gallery Studio Theatre. Last week, you might remember, I chatted to one of the lead characters, uh, Dean Wales. The theatre is on St George Street in Ipswich. And you can hear my review of that show in next week's episode. Plus, it's never too early to start feeling festive, I say. Elf the Musical uh, actually starts from Friday the 29th September through to Sunday the 8th of October. That's by the Lowestoft Players. Elf the Musical, obviously the hilarious tale of Buddy, the young orphan child who mistakenly crawls into Santa's bag of gifts and is transported back to the North Pole. So if you fancy that, as I say, that's Lowestoft Players from Friday the 29th September. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets from just 30 pound onwards. I'm Steph McIntyre. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Ruby Shoes Podcast. Do check out our socials and get in touch if you're performing locally and we'd love to hear from you. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>